Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, my name is Kevin McDonnell, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Today I'm out in a project with Alex and Kate Moyes. This is their first ever buy to let project and we're going to be talking through their journey. So hi guys, thank you for joining us. Hi Kevin, it's a pleasure, thanks. Hi, thanks for going around. Thanks guys for showing us around, it looks absolutely fantastic. Completely different when we were here a few months ago. So let's go back to before you bought the property. Why did you choose this house? How many properties did you view and, and why this one originally? I guess um, just before we bought this, I viewed about 30 properties uh, around here. Um, and it was the condition of the house and the location in town that I thought was good about it. Um, but also the, the gap between what if I thought it could be worth in the future and what I could secure it for. You know, the gap was right. big enough to make it work. Right, so there's a few things there. So um, condition of the property, first of all, and location in town. So let's look at location. So when you say the location's good, um, obviously we're in Newark at the moment. So from town centre, how close are we and what was good about this location? So we're about five minutes walk from town centre here. And we're also near an outstanding school. So it was really good from that point of view that um, it would be really rentable. Right, so obviously it's a three bed property. So we're looking at a family. Yeah. To rent it? Okay, so being yeah. close to a really good school is really important. You mentioned the condition, so the condition of the property. Now, a lot of people, when I meet them and they talk about property, they, they're looking for something where the condition is really good. You've looked at 30 properties or around 30 properties, and you've picked this one because of the condition. What did you like about the condition? So it needed quite a lot of work doing to it, right. and that was putting off a lot of buyers, you know, yeah. certainly your first-time buyers and things. Um, it was empty, been empty for two years, and it was not quite run down, but in need of modernization, as an estate agent would say. Um, so it actually needed a lot of work doing to it to bring it up to a good standard. Okay, so condition-wise, what a lot of people do when they're looking at condition of a property is they, they look for something that is pretty good when they buy it, but actually buying something really bad you can actually you can make more money because mm. if you're going you, here you've changed the wiring you've changed the plumbing you've replastered it you've repainted it it's almost good that it's in terrible condition because you're starting with a blank canvas yeah. and the fact you've done an extension with the kitchen you've moved the bathroom you were even if you bought it in better condition you'd have paid more and then you'd have had to make it worse to bring it back to better exactly so if you're watching this and you're getting started in property look for something that's really run down if you're going to do significant work to the property because you're start you're better off starting with that blank canvas and then add the value and you've seen the ability to create good added value here so just to remind people what did you pay for the property in the first place so we paid 103767 103767 and we should aiming to get it revalued at between 150 and 155. 150 to 155. Okay, and what was your total spend? Um, the the budget for the refurb was about 15,000. So all in, including um, buying costs and holding costs, would be looking at about 130 to 134,000. Okay, so at 130, revalue at 150, we're talking 20 grand. At 134,000, you're looking at 16 grand of added value. 
16 grand from one property in a few months. Average salary in the UK, 26 grand a year. 16 grand in equity in a property without having to really work for it because other people did most of the work. Yeah. Alex didn't do a lot. <laughs> but that, that's not bad for your first project. No, and also all the learning that we've taken from it as well mm. is really valuable. Uh, you know, I think the fact that we're going to make anything out of it, plus it's been our, our playground, you know, our ability to learn yeah. and try things out has been really powerful. That's a really important point as well, because a lot of people focus on the money they make from a deal, but actually the, the, the money is, is money, but the learning and the knowledge you've gained from doing an actual project is priceless. Yeah. So what, what were your key learnings from this project? So what the sort of maybe your top three to top five things that you've identified and learned from going through the process? I think planning before we start is something that I'll do more of. Making it, writing a good scope of works um, and separating all the roles out for the trades so that before they start, I can tell them what I want and I don't have to make any amendments. Right. I think that's, that would be key. That would make things faster next time. Um, finding the trades and figuring out which ones are reliable, uh, which ones I want to use again, uh, you know, that's also really valuable because they will come on to the next one with me. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of the house, we've learned the limitations of how much you should try and do. You know, for example, we restored the old doors here, whereas I think next time you'd save a lot of time just stripping them out and putting new doors, doors in. in. Um, it's details like that where actually um, maybe for a... Uh, project with more profit, you could do those kind of details. But on a BRR, I think it'd be yeah. better just to keep it simple. It's getting the balance between making a business decision and an emotional decision. Yeah. yeah. Any others? Seems to be so many that they all come to mind straight right. away. <laughs> so top three really is your um, planning the trade, planning the work that needs to be done by the trades, Yeah. choosing the trades, and making a business decision over an emotional decision. Yeah. Which is three really good points. And one of the things I learned quite early in my refurb projects is when you tell a builder to do something, they forget that you told them to do something. And it's picking the right builder is important, picking the right trades, but also then having that schedule. And one really good tip for people if you're watching this is in every room in a property, even after discussing what needs to be done with a tradesperson, just put a list on in the room on the wall, whether that be a piece of paper or whether that be you literally write it on the wall because if the walls are going to be plastered or painted you can write on the wall make a list of all the things they need to do and then get them to tick them off one at a time as they're doing them mm. otherwise they'll skip past jobs and tell you that they didn't remember that it was done or, or that you never even discussed that it needed doing so being very clear with builders i, I if there's builders watching this some of you are great but you do forget stuff. So make sure that like, yeah, there's a very clear schedule that works with the builder and not just that you've discussed it or emailed it to them, but that you've got it physically visible in the property. Yeah. And every time you come in and do your inspection, you can check through that list with them. And I would do that per bedroom or per room um, to make sure that they don't forget stuff in various different rooms. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that communication is really important. And there are several occasions where I've said to someone, can you do this or can you do that? And then I've gone away and actually it's not happened. And I realise that writing it down, saying it more than once, you checking up on them straight away is really key to make sure it gets done. Now, one, you mentioned there about um, lining your tradespeople up. So I remember when we were here on one of the original viewings, when we looked at the property in the middle of the works, the, you had a plasterer here and came and had a look around while I was here. Um, 
the one of the challenges you had at the time, if I remember trying to get a plasterer, was that they were all very busy. Mm. So and so you kind of maybe left it too late to line him up. Yeah. So what would you say to anyone who's starting a project around how much time you need to give them to, to, to tradespeople to get them to actually show up on time for your job? I'd say I would certainly get started next time as soon as I've secured the property. I wouldn't wait until completion before you start lining up your trades. Um, some, I think a month you know, is probably really good if you can get someone in within a month. I think mm. six to eight weeks if you want someone good. You, know, you really yeah. need to give yourself that time. Because what you'll find with a lot of tradespeople is if, they're, if you can ring them up and they can come straight out and start immediately, they're probably not very good. Not necessarily always, but probably not very good because they're available. Good tradespeople are not typically available. You're going to have to wait for them to finish the project they're on or finish another project they've already committed to before you get them. So the earlier you can get them involved, the better. The minute you've got your deal agreed with the agent or the deal agreed direct to vendor, get your tradespeople lined up. Ask if you can ask your agent, ask your vendor if you can show them round between offering on the property and secure and actually completing on the property. There should be no reason once you've got that sale agreed why you couldn't be allowed into the property with the keys to show a tradesperson round during that four to six week period. Can give you a good head start. Because what you really want to do the day you get the keys after completion is not start showing tradespeople around. What you want to do is have them starting the work. So you can save time also on your borrowed funds if you're borrowing funds, mm. um, or w w even if it's your own funds, you still want to get that deal done as quickly as possible. So let's go back a bit about funding this. So how, how did you fund this property? So many people might know the story, but some people that are listening in right now probably they don't remember how this all came about. So do you want to go back to the stage of how the funding came about? Yeah, so um, it was during the July last year, uh, I joined in the JV and fundraising challenge that you ran on Facebook. So we're looking at six months ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a, as a challenge all about putting yourself in the right position to raise finance. And at that point, I'd viewed some houses, but was nowhere near um, you know, securing a property really and didn't quite know how I was going to finance it. So we went through that week where we put ourselves in a really good position to, to look for funding. Um, and then we got the opportunity to pitch to yourself and Ray McLennan. Um, and we pitched, with, I found this property during that week, during the viewings. Um, and uh, we took that to, to you guys. I did a pitch um, and that was where we secured funding from yourself and to purchase a property. And I funded the refurbishment. Right. So for, for anyone watching in again, that, that, that joint venture finance challenge was a seven day challenge we ran on, on social media, on Facebook. And at the start of the week, we had about 800 people on day one in the challenge. And what was really interesting about that seven days is that by day seven, we were down to around 100 people. So 800 people really wanted the opportunity to get started in property, to learn how to raise money, to find deals. Yet 700 of them quit in the first seven days. Only 100 were involved in the final day. And on that final day, I asked people to, any deals they had found during the week, to present those deals to us and we would pick five people to present those deals to us on a live deal pitch. Now, of the 100 on the final day, only around 23 people actually put deals forward. It was 23 or 26 people that put the deals forward. And by about a half an hour to go on the close of that, we still only had about seven or eight people who had actually put deals forward. And we were pushing people to give us a deal to pitch to us. It's, it's, re it's really interesting that a lot of people 
that even though they're given that opportunity, they don't follow through for the entire seven days even to keep, them go, to keep going and put a deal forward. Now, the key to this is connecting with people. If you connect with people online, connect with people on social media, join the Progressive Property Facebook community, make sure you've subscribed to the YouTube channel and use the opportunity, use the knowledge. Anytime somebody gives you a chance to take part in a challenge, commit to doing the challenge, commit to going through the challenge and finishing it. So at the end of that challenge with over 800 people, we chose five people to pitch deals to us. And of those five, Alex won the, the funding. But just from, from me, I was wondering, why did you, number one is get involved in the challenge. And number two, what made you complete the challenge and get to the point where you were confident enough to put that deal forward for pitching? I guess I know that I um, need to scale the business if I want to make this work. And I'm not looking to do that one house and then stop. So I'm, I know I needed to raise funds. And the challenge was just the perfect opportunity to learn how to do that. Um, you know, I start, it was quite intense in a way. I think there, were, there was two sessions each day plus something in the middle of the day as well. And you know, I started off doing it around like the breakfast table, you know, with my headphones in sort of almost guiltily. And then, you know, then you guys started listening to it, didn't you? And my daughter was saying, are we listening to that man again? And, uh, but it, it came to, it sort of grew throughout the week for me. And it became uh, like I got more involved. You know, I started off thinking I'll just see what it's all about. And I got more drawn into doing the actions and to make it work and I could see how it could work. So you know, by the end of it, we were both doing everything together, weren't we, to prepare the, the information and to practice a pitch and to you know, get to the end. It was basically a step-by-step guide to how we can set up the business and get us in a position to get that first property, which was what we needed and it happened at the right time for us. Was there any point during the week that you thought about quitting and giving up as well? or Because like, a lot of people did that week. No, I guess for me, it was that was more at the beginning. I was a bit unsure whether this was really what I wanted to commit all that effort to. But as the week went on, the, the enthusiasm for it built, if you like, actually, because we could see how it was going to work and we, we, you know, we wanted to really go for it. And even if we didn't get selected to, to pitch or if we, you know, we just thought this is a great time to put everything in place. And we saw it as a learning curve. Mm. And you mentioned there something really about how you knew this was going to be a business for you and it wasn't going to be about one property. Yeah. So this is obviously the first property. It's ready now. Going to get the fund, get it refinanced. Have you, are you waiting for funds out of this to do another deal? Or have you already secured your next deal? Where are you at on the building of the portfolio? So we're already working on our second deal. Okay. Uh, that's midway through the refurbishment right now. Okay, so purchased, refurb yep. started. Yeah. Midway through. And that's purchased with investor funds again, in right. the same way as this one. Uh, we've secured funding for the third property. Now, when, when you say investor funds, I funded this deal. The second deal is a completely different investor. Yeah. So you've now got the confidence yeah. as well to actually go and look for funding from just other investors. Yeah. Actually, Excellent. for them... For me, doing the challenge, doing the social media activity, getting myself out there, built my confidence and built my credibility so that other people were then interested in lending me money and, and doing a project together. Right. And because so, we, set the, we wrote the, fo the folio, uh, which was part of your challenge, it meant that we sort of had the information at hand, didn't we? Yeah, it did. And I was able to sit down with other investors and talk them through what I'm doing and mm -hmm. what I want to do and my plans. Um, you know, and they obviously felt that it was credible enough to invest in. Yeah. And for people, credible is a key word here. For people that are starting their journey, and I know you were right at the start in June, July last year. Mm. For people at the start who are thinking, why would somebody invest in me? Why would somebody lend me money? Um, you've managed to raise funds now from two different people. So why, 
I'll tell you in a moment why I funded this deal, but why did you why do you feel that people are investing in you? I think because I'm clear with what I wanted to achieve and I understand the numbers and I've got people around me who can help me deliver it. And you know, I'm not an expert in everything, but I can find people who are. Um, and I think that, that that and the motivation to to keep going, to grow and to learn, I think people really respond to that. Yeah. So from my point of view, the reason I funded Alex's deal was quite simple. A lot of people come and they pitch a deal to people and they overcook the, the egg if, and they, they say the deal is going to be better than it's going to be. They don't know their numbers. So they either say it will be better than it will be or they actually don't know their numbers. And the reason I funded this was you were very clear about the fact that there would be some money left in. It wasn't a you know, huge, big, big, huge increase in value. We spoke about 16 grand added to the value. And you were very honest up front that you didn't know that it was your first project. You didn't try and pretend you had done other stuff. So it's not necessarily that he had credibility in having deals done already or experience of having deals done. It was more about the honesty that he knew what he had he knew what it was worth and he knew his numbers, which is why I chose you over some of, not, not the exact pitches on the day, there was 26 odd people that sent me deals. Mm. There was five I chose because I felt those five were the ones that were most understanding of what they had to offer. And yours was then the one where when you did those pitches that felt like it was very clear your plan. You, you understand how long it'll take, you understood the numbers, and it, you just made yourself be investable by not, by being honest rather than trying to be something you weren't. What's really important message for people who are listening in is you don't need to have loads of experience. You don't need to have loads of deal done. You, what you need to do is just be yourself. Be yourself and you become investable. There'll be people out there that will fund your deals. And you've said you've got a second investor doing your second deal and you're looking for your third deal at the moment or you've already yeah. agreed it? Well, I've secured funds for a third deal, so now okay. I need to find the property. And is that from another a, investor? A third investor? Yeah. Okay, so funds for three deals from three different investors, yeah. starting from no experience six, seven months ago? Yeah. So and I've potentially got another um, opportunity with some investors where, in fact, we, we are going to agree to to it where they'll fund some more properties and I'll do some properties with them as well. Um, so it's a little bit further down the line, but that's looking at you know, another couple of properties for me and a couple of properties for them. Okay, so that's what we call on a JV basis, a one for you, one for me. Mm. So how, how a one for you, one for me works is that a, a, a cash investor lends you money to do a deal, you find a property for them, you refurbish it for them with their money, they refinance it, the money they get out of that deal they then give to you to fund one for you. So the first deal's for them with their money, second deal's for you with their money, third deal's for them, fourth deal for you. So every second deal, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. So you're not linked on a credit file, you're building two separate portfolios, but using the one investor's money. So it's a really good plan, so you're not linked to people as well. Yeah. What would you say to anyone who's listening and thinking, I'm at the start of my journey, or I've got one or two houses, but now I feel stuck. What would you say to them around what they should be doing to raise money to start to continue to build their portfolios? I think first and foremost, you need to be telling people what you're doing. I know everybody says that, right? But you can use Facebook and just talk about your journey. You can document your journey. Um, I, I, I say to people when you say that, well, that quite often they say to me, it can't be that simple. Is it that simple? That's how it's worked for us, yeah. 
it's telling people what you do. So number one, tell people what you do. It is that simple. It's getting on Facebook, putting the time in and telling people what you do. What else would you say to them? I'd say start. Even if it's not perfect, if it's not the best deal you'll ever do, start. Because the next one will be better. Um, and I'm sure there's people that did that challenge with me that maybe haven't started yet. Mm. Um, and that challenge made me start and now we're on a journey. Uh, and that was, you know, that's mm. the big thing, I think. There's a Zig Ziglar saying that I really love. Um, if anybody doesn't know Zig Ziglar, he's a motivational speaker from America for years ago. Uh, sadly, he's passed away now. But Zig Ziglar always says, you don't need to be great to start, but you do need to start to be great. So it's about getting started on your journey. And yeah, well done yeah. for getting started and well done for the, the finish that you've produced here because it's really awesome for your first project. And in this first project, not only is it just a straightforward refurb, but you've moved a bathroom, you've turned a two bed into a three bed, you've extended a kitchen by taking, into a, taking the garage space and putting it in, or the shed space and putting it into the kitchen. You've done a full rewire, a full pl replaster. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty much the whole house has been redone. So it was a decent sized project to take on your first project. So well done for getting it to the stage it's at. And um, yeah, for getting it rent oh, rented out. You've had somebody come around to value it for rental. Yes, we have. And what did they say it will rent at? So they said 675 would be the rent here. So if it values at, at 150 and you get a rent of 675, have you worked out what that yield will be? Uh, the yield would be somewhere between 5 and 6%. Let's check. What have we got exactly? So 675 times 12 months will give you your yeah. annual rental income, 8,100 divided by your total costs, which are 134, 134,000, that's the higher, so it's 130 to 134. That will give you yeah, over 6% yield. So for a single let buy to let with over 6% yield and 16 grand of equity, that's really good to start to your first project in property. Yeah, and the, uh, I think the bit that I like is the return on the capital that will be remaining in the property mm. is over 20% as well, which for the first property, I think it's really good and yeah, it's a good starting yeah. point. Key, key number here is return on capital employed. How long will it take you to get your funds back out of the deal? If you're in a bank, you're making 0.1% and there's talk about negative interest rates. In this property, the return on capital employed, so the money left in after refinancing, is going to be over 20%. Yeah. There's not an, a bank account in the country. There's not a bank accounts all put together, interest rates stacked on top of each other, that's going to give you a 20% return on your money. So for anyone who's looking for a better return on their money, property is the vehicle that can get you that. The stock market's not going to give you 20%. Bitcoin might give you 20% today, but you could lose 30% tomorrow. But property, you've got a consistent income. You're more sure of what you're going to be getting. 20% return on your money is phenomenal on your first deal. Hmm. So before you took part in the challenge over six months ago, what was your day job at the time? And why did you decide property was something you wanted to get into? I guess I've always been interested in property, but it was probably Christmas last year when I started to um, discovered progressive property and the strategies that they taught, particularly BRR, which was a really good way of... So just for anyone listening, BRR is buy, refurbish, rent, and then refinance. Now it's buy, refurbish, so we bought, we refurbished this. The next stage is rent and refinance. Now you can refinance and rent, 
they've had a, a quote for the rental, you're almost often better to put the tenant in place first so that you rent it and then you've got a, an actual tenancy agreement to show the value of the rental because they the eight the valuer could come even though we've mentioned what the rent would be for this property the valuer could come out and go well i don't think it'll be that i think it'll be 50 pound less he could say 50 pound more which is a win but if you put a tenant in place then you've got an actual tenancy agreement to show them which could help your valuation so either way buy refurbish refinance and rent or buy refurbish rent refinance but that's what brr is i would say rent it then refinance it if you can it depends how quickly you need to get that money back out yeah i guess that showed me that it's possible to do more than you know one house you don't have to just save a pot and then buy a house so that was a really exciting bit um, and at that time, and still now, I have a full-time career in cybersecurity, um, and this is something for the future for us, uh, for, for the kids, for their education, for, for sort of a legacy. So um, something that I always had in mind I wanted to do, but once I got more educated, I understood I could do it now. I didn't have to wait like 10 years yeah. or save loads of money. Um, so that was really crucial. And then going through the books and the podcasts and then getting on the challenge, you know, that was the big kind of breakthrough time. Uh, and in that time, I've also done courses um, to really improve my education. And I think they've been important for gaining investors as well, because they, they know that I sort of take it seriously enough to invest in myself. Yeah. Um, and were you both bought into property? What was your, where were you? So before all this, I was full-time mum. My, my background is marketing and events, which I always loved. Had two children, decided not to go back to work. But this was something that we knew we could do together, which is yeah. what mm. we wanted for quite a while, haven't we, in terms of work. We wanted a business together, didn't we? And it yeah. was, to start with, took quite a while to figure out what that business might be uh, that would interest both of us. Uh, and now we found something that you know, can fit around our other commitments that we're both interested in and that, you, know, you could bring your expertise to it as the, the marketing side as well, which is really good. And had you looked at other stuff, like some people invest in the stock market, some people invest in like cryptocurrencies and stuff. Had you looked at anything other than property as a potential investment vehicle? Um, yes. And I do, I do think the stock market has a role in it. You know, it's something I'm a little bit involved in, but I don't, I think it's a long-term thing and I think it doesn't interest me as much as property to, to really understand it. And I don't think you should invest some, unless you understand it. Mm. Um, so I like property because of the bricks and mortar, you know, people understand it, yeah. it's not going you anywhere. You can touch it, it's, can't you? It's here. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Um, and you've still got a house, even if the value changes, you've still got a house. Mm. Um, and plus I like the income that you can produce from it. And I like the strategies that you can progress to once you've started this as well. See, a lot of people, when they look at the stock market, they talk about, well, I can get in property, so the, the yield on this house might be 6%, but in, in the stock market, I can get 8%. But the difference is you can't leverage it. So you put 100 grand into the stock market, you buy 100 grand's worth of stock, that at 8% in return gives you 108 grand. But you put 100 grand in property, you can buy 400 grand's worth of property because you can leverage the bank's money for 75%. So if you get 400 grand into property and make the 6%, 2% less than the stock market, you're making 6% on the 400. So you're making 24 grand against the eight, three times more. So you can't just look at 
a stock market will give 8%, property will give 6%. As an example, you have to look at the leveraging the property allows you to do. And all, that's just number one. Number two is the buy, refurbish, refinance and rent model. Because if you're buying, refurbishing, refinancing, you're pulling most of your money back out of the deal, which means your return on capital employed is going to be much higher on a property deal. So you significantly are better off with property than you would be with the stock market. And you've got something that you can touch and feel. Yeah. And we like the fact that we are bringing empty properties often back into really good use. Um, there's a there's a lot of empty properties around when you start looking at it, actually. They're everywhere. Um, and if someone else could easily have bought this, they'd have bought it before me, but they, they weren't. And we've turned it into a really good family home. And the reason a lot of people aren't buying these is because they're looking for the finished house. Mm. They're looking for something that's already been plastered and painted. They want the baby, but not the labor pain. And yeah. this is about you coming in and looking at what it could be rather than what it is and adding that value and making it that family home. Second reason why people don't do this is that they think they need money when you don't need your own money. Money's always needed, but it doesn't have to be your money. It could be a joint venture with somebody else or a funding of the deal, but it could also be that the owner of the house actually funds the deal. So quite often the money's in the bricks and mortar. You could do creative strategies to create the money in that property deal. So now that you've got this property finished, what are your future plans in property, future plans outside of properties? Where, and where do you want to get to, say, in a year's time? And where do you want to be the long-term dream? So I guess in a year's time, we, I would like us to be in a position where we've got sort of eight to 10 properties. Um, I'll more measure it based on the cash flow, if you like. But I want to be you know, probably halfway there to, to my medium-term goal which is to fund the kids' school and uh, you know, give myself the opportunity if I, you know, if I needed to, to replace my income. Um, you know, I really like working full-time and I love my career. But if things changed, um, particularly with you know, the pandemic, you don't know what's happening, mm. uh, then I, I really like to have that safety net that I, you know, I've replaced my income. So that's kind of the medium-term goal. And then the long-term goal is to uh, give ourselves more time to spend with the children and to have more flexibility with you know, where we live and, and what we do by way of work. Okay, now this is the million dollar question. Are your goals the same? Yeah, thankfully we are on the same page. Um, I suppose I wanted to get back into work, um, which I haven't done since having the children, um, and this will enable me to do that, although I don't want to do it full time. Having two young children can be uh, pretty stressful sometimes. But yeah, I want Alex to be able to have the choice if he wants to leave his job or if he doesn't. Um, I still want us to be able to work together. The kids' schooling is a big thing. And then also just to have a little bit more flexibility of what we want to do and when, rather than yeah. having to work around everything else. Some really important points there. So you, you mentioned that you love your job and you don't want to quit your job, but you do need security. And a lot of people, they think property is either full-time or not at all, but actually, property can be alongside your full-time job. I know so many property investors that they've got full-time jobs, they've got businesses, and they do property as a secondary thing. It's actually, it's almost the, the wrong thing to do to quit your job and then try and build a property business because you're almost jumping out of the airplane and trying to build your parachute as you fall. While you're doing something really smart here is you're building your parachute while you're in the plane. And COVID should have taught a lot of people and it has taught a lot of people that job security is not necessarily there. And maybe you're listening in and you love your job, but 
it's not about you wanting to leave your job. It's about your boss, your company deciding that they want you to leave your job, that they give, make you redundant. And not because they don't think you're good at your job, but maybe they can't afford you anymore. Maybe they can't afford to run their business anymore. Maybe the business shuts down. There's, there's talk about over a million people losing their job because of the pandemic, a million people losing jobs. So many people have realized over the last few months that there needs to be a B plan. There needs to be a, another plan. And when I say a B plan, I mean a better plan. There needs to be a better plan for you to protect yourself, to protect your, your future, to protect your kids' future. And property for a lot of people can be that plan because you can do it part time. It doesn't have to be a full time thing. So yeah, well done for taking that step and getting started and already looking at your third property. So I think your goal of eight for the year is really, really achievable. Um, but yeah, just keep pushing forward. So Alex and Kate, thanks for showing me around. You guys have done absolutely awesome on this project. It looks amazing. Um, looks way better like than I thought it would look, to be honest. When we looked at the, the way the house was, what you've done with the kitchen, what you've done with the bathroom is phenomenal. Um, it really is a beautiful family home. So best of luck with the project, with your property journey. And yeah, thanks again for showing us around. No problem. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for joining us. So remember, join the Progressive Property YouTube channel. There's content every single week that can help you on your property journey. Also join the Progressive Property Facebook community. There's over 34,000 people now actively helping and supporting each other on their property journeys. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been amazing.